0: All right, Psalm 100, Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God, is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Title Just Enter His Presence with Thanksgiving. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege we have to open your precious word tonight. And I pray, Father, as we look into the word of God, that we be encouraged and challenged in, uh, concerning. Uh, being a thankful people for your goodness, your mercies, and your blessings that are new every day. We'll pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, next week is, of course, as you know, Thanksgiving holiday. Holiday we call Thanksgiving. Considered by to be the most American of holidays. Of course, it dates back to the pilgrims in 1621. I believe the most biblical of the holidays, uh, yet probably the most overlooked. You know, we just kind of pass through it and, and, uh, and, and kind of forget about it. And I think there's a reason for that. But as God's people, and, I, and, and, you know, and I'm not getting ahead of myself, I plan to preach another message on this next week, Lord willing. But anyway, but as God's people, Thanksgiving is not, it should not be limited to a certain day of the year. It should be a way of life. And being thankful is not necessarily words we say. Again, it's a way of life, it's an attitude. Bill Winstead told me this a couple of years ago, and I never forgot it. I wrote it down. I had to kind of jog my memory this afternoon to think about it. But an attitude of gratitude is a beatitude of great magnitude. An attitude of gratitude is a beatitude of great magnitude. We as God's people should have an attitude of gratitude. Thanksgiving means the act of giving thanks, grateful acknowledgement of benefits or favors, especially to God. That's Webster's definition of thanksgiving. And the Bible speaks of giving thanks or being thankful or thanksgiving uh, throughout the Old and New Testament. As it says here in Psalm 100, verse 4, be thankful unto him. You know, it's a command. It's really a command. Psalm 26, 7 says, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works Psalm 50, verse 14, Offer unto God thanksgiving, and pay thy vows unto the Most High. Psalm 69, 30, I will praise the name of God with a song, and will magnify him with thanksgiving. Psalm 95, 2, Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. And of course, here in verse 4, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. Psalm 107, 22, And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving, and declare his works with rejoicing. Psalm one hundred sixteen seventeen. 17, I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving, and will call upon the name of the Lord. You know, Sacrifice speaks of something that does cost us. There's a price to it. It's not always easy. The Bible tells us in everything... Give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Now, when we say everything, that's all comprehensive. It means, so it, really it means the trials, the troubles, the bad circumstances of life, and the good things. Um, so, it, so, so, you know, sacrifice. Sing unto the Lord, Psalm 147, verse 7. Sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praise upon the harp unto our God. You know, we ought to lift our voice in song and praise. Uh, James Fawcett Brown said this concerning this psalm. It's a general call on all the earth to render exalted praise to God, the creator, the preserver, and benefactor of man. You know, God is God that created us. It's God that preserves us and keeps us. As, As Jeremiah said in Lamentations, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. Great is thy faithfulness. And he is the benefactor of men. James tells us every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. You know, God is good, not just to those that love him. But to those that don't love him, those that hate him. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. The sun shines on the just and the unjust alike. God is good to all. He is the benefactor of men. You know, it is it is the fool that says, God has never done anything for me. And so we'll notice several things tonight. First of all, the condition of our thanksgiving, or the manner in which we offer, in verses one and two it says. Make a joyful noise. Again, this is a command. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. When he says make a joyful noise. The word joyful noise here refers to a shout of triumph, a shout of victory. You know, It kind of reminds me of when, when the children of Israel were commanded by the Lord to, to take Jericho. And, and you remember how they were to take it. And, and he says in verse 5, It shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the sh- trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall send up every man straight before him. And that's the idea of there, a triumphant shout. That's the manner in which we are offered our thanksgiving unto the Lord. Psalm 108, verse 9. Psalm 108, verse 9, he says, Moab is my washpot, over Eden will I cast at my shoe, over Philistia will I triumph. Uh, Psalm 126, verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> Psalm 126, verses 1 and 2. When the Lord turned again to the captive of Zion, we were like, the, like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. And, and so here again, it's, it's, a, it's a triumphant shout. Uh, and many times you know, when there was victory in battle, they shouted with joy or with triumph. When when, when, the children, uh, when David and, and the men of Israel came back from the defeat of Goliath, there were shouting and and. and, and and uh, rejoicing. Uh, and so, you know, it kind of reminds me, you know, we, I watched a little bit of a football game yesterday. Um, we we watched a little bit of Penn State game, and then and then the Clemson game came on a little later, but, you know, our internet not working best keeps disconnecting, so we got kind of disgusted with that and just forget it. But anyway, you know, I was downstairs in the office one day, and uh, I'm not sure who was playing. It must have been the I'm sorry, but it must have been the Patriots. But anyway, I was in the office one evening, and every once in a while I hear a loud yes or a woo. I think that's what Dave does when he shoots that big buck. Woo! <laughs> you know, some people get excited about football, some people get excited about hunting. There was obvious excitement and enthusiasm that night upstairs. Uh, but that's, what, that's, the kind of, that's how we ought to thank the Lord with enthusiasm for, the, for his greatness and the things and his benefits to us. So there ought to be a, a triumphant shout. It ought to be in joyful service. If you notice in verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. You know, we ought to serve the Lord gladly with joy. With pleasure. You know, Bobby Mitchell you know, was here one time, or maybe he was at Calvary. I don't know where I heard, heard him say but he, 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 uh, he, he uh, challenged me um, in his message. He said, you know, we, we should never say, well, we have to go to church today. We ought to say, we get to go to church today. We shouldn't say, well, I have to go in visitation today. We should say, I get to go witness for the Lord today. See, we need to have a, we, need to have, we ought to, it ought to uh, bring joy to our hearts to serve the Lord. I don't know about you, but there are a lot of days that I don't really want to go on visitation. But when I do go, after I've been to the first or second door, I really usually enjoy myself. Uh, but you see, it ought to be, we ought to serve the Lord joyfully with an attitude of, this is an opportunity. That's how Paul looked at it. In Deuteronomy 28, verse 47, when when, uh, Moses was challenging the children of Israel in his last will and testament to them, you might say, last instructions to them, and he told them that that they they were going to turn away from him. And one of the things he said was, because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart, For the abundance of all things. When you get into the land and you have the corn, you have the land flowing with milk and honey, and you have abundance of all things, then your heart's going to turn away. Isn't it true the more things we have, the more trouble we have serving the Lord? The more difficult it seems. And and, and if we aren't careful, it can become a burden. To take time to serve the Lord. And again, notice it said, for the abundance of all things. Things take time. Things take time. It's sort of like weeds in a garden. It clutters it. And things can tend to clutter our lives. And so... We ought to serve the Lord with joyfulness. In 2 Chronicles 30, verse 23, And the whole assembly took counsel to keep other seven days, and they kept other seven days with gladness. Now here, here in this passage, you know, they took seven other days. Do you know what? That took time. That means they had to have a, a priority of serving the Lord. I am sure there were things that they were concerned about whether they were going to get done at home. Now, I'm not saying you need to come here seven days in a row. But understand, you know, with the conditions of the children of Israel, this is things that they did, that they were commanded to do. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 46 says, And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did it eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Oh, we to have joyful service to the Lord. We need to come before before him, enter into his gates, into his courts with singing. Sing loud and, and with joy and gladness. Sing with gusto from all your heart. And so we see the condition of our thanksgiving. Secondly, we see the comprehension of our thanksgiving. Verse 3 says, Know ye the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. We were thankful for the things that we know. Know ye, He says, know ye that the Lord, He is God. We, we can be thankful that we know the Lord as our God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Isaiah 40 12 says, I have declared and have saved, I have showed. When there was no strange God among you, therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Isaiah forty five twenty two: look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends there, for I am God and there is none else. Isn't it good to know that we know that he is our God? You know, the psalmist said the Lord is my shepherd, my shepherd. Do you realize you're in a minority tonight? Because the most of the world does not know that the Lord is their God. There's a lot of people that sit in churches that do not know that the Lord is their God. They think so. How many people have you talked to out in visitation, and they, you get an answer something like this? Well, I hope so. In other words, they really don't know. And you begin to question them, then they'll start to say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the bottom line is, they were honest the first time, they really don't know. They just don't want you to know that they don't know. When I got saved, I knew it. I knew it. See, it's good to know. We need to be thankful that we know the Lord is our God. We that the Lord is our creator. He that hath, if we understand that it's He that hath made us and not we ourselves. Genesis 2.7 says, The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils a breath of life, and he became a living soul. Job 10.8 says, Thy hands have made me and fashioned me together round about, yet thou dost destroy me. Psalm 139, verse 16 says, Thine eyes did see my substance. That word there refers to the DNA that only you could see under a microscope. And God God here says, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being imperfect. Not all put together. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. Oh, the wisdom of God! This ways past finding out. Jeremiah 1.5 says, "Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and sanctified thee a prophet amongst the nations." You see, we have the privilege. Have the privilege. Of knowing we were created and fashioned and prepared by God, and He has a purpose for our life. You are not an accident. Yeah. Seems to me, I've heard of some parents always say, Well, we really didn't want Him anyway. That's an awful thing to say, it's not an accident. You know, we are not an accident. God has a purpose. And, you know, knowing that helps us understand our need of the Lord, to make him Lord of our life. You know, somebody says, quote, knowledge is the mother of all devotion, unquote. And so, we we need to be thankful that we know that the Lord is our maker. And that he is our personal Lord. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. When, we, when you come into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a special relationship which few do not understand or cannot comprehend. We are his children. Again, Psalm thirty twenty three says, The Lord is my shepherd. Galatians 3.26 says, We are the children of God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, we, as God's children, are the subject of His care. We are the sheep of His pasture. As he says in verse 4, Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. You know, speaking, the, 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 uh, the word picture there has to do with a, a, a shepherd and his sheep, and the... And his, uh, um, the sheepfold. Go to John chapter 10 for a minute. John chapter 10. John chapter 10. And Jesus spoke of this. And we can enter his gates into his courts. And, 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 and only, we are only allowed in by the shepherd. By the will of the porter. Of course, the refers of the father who opens the sheepfold. And, uh. And he will provide, protect his sheep. John 10 verse 1 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, referring to those who try to come to God through any other means except through the Lord Jesus Christ, but climb up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. When he poureth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of a stranger. then drop down to verse 11. I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling, and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. You know, there's one thing that, that often bothered me. If you, if you go back to verse 5, it says, A stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. You know, I believe from my own experience that when I heard the truth, I knew it. And when I heard something wasn't true, I also knew it. You know, it's it's bothering sometimes the things that people will accept as truth and the places they'll go. You know, we've had people leave here, and it's amazing where they go. Where they go. It seems like they follow strangers, and it makes you wonder whether they really know the Lord. Look at uh, verse 15, verse Verse 14. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. So in other words, the sheep, not only does the shepherd know his sheep, the sheep know the shepherd. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 26. But ye ye believe not. Because. Because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you, speaking there to the Pharisees. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my, out of my hand. So uh, we have this special relationship with, with the Lord. We can be thankful for this special relationship we have with the, with the Lord. Like a shepherd, you know, he is like a shepherd to us. And we are like his sheep, who we hear his voice, and we follow him. You know, a person that's walking with the Lord, when they hear the truth, they will, they will grasp it. They will recognize it. Like, a, like sheep recognize the voice of their shepherd. I was listening to some messages one time on eternal security, and a man was preaching, the deacon in, our, in the church there one time got me when I was struggling with eternal security. Uh, of course, you know, leaving the Mennonite Church. But anyway, uh, which, you know, they don't teach eternal security. So I struggled with that for a while. But anyway, he got this uh, series of messages on eternal security, and, he, and the preacher was preaching here from John 10. And he told a story about two shepherds that he, he was in the Holy Land one time. And these shepherds came from different directions with their sheep following them. And they met in the middle of the street, and the sheep intermingled with each other. He said, you wouldn't have known whose sheep was whose. But when those shepherds parted and went different directions, they simply called their sheep. And their own sheep knew the shepherd's voice and went with the right shepherd. Because they knew the shepherd's voice. And Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. You see, we have that. We can be thankful that we know the voice of the shepherd. And he will provide and protect his sheep. Then I want you to notice a third thing. Considering the recipient. Of our thanksgiving. We ought to be thankful, give thanksgiving, considering the recipient of our thanksgiving, of course, which is the Lord. And verse 5 says, For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Our Lord is good. You know, Second Chronicles 5.13 says, And it came even to pass, as the trumpeters and the singers were as one, to make one sign to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord, when they lifted up the voice of the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. That then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord. You know, God. Psalm twenty-five, eight says, "God, good and upright is the Lord. Wherefore will He teach sinners in the way?" You know, God is good. God is good. The Bible states that over and over again. Psalm fifty-four, six: "I will freely sacrifice unto Thee. I will praise Thy name, O Lord, for it is good." Psalm eighty-four, eleven: "For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory." No good thing will he withhold from them that walketh all uprightly. In Mark chapter ten, you know, Jesus said unto him, the rich young ruler, Why callest me good? There is none good but one. That is God. The only one that's really good? You know, we sometimes say, well, he's a good person. But when we say that, who are we comparing them to? We're comparing to them, to other people that we know, or to our fellow man. But if we were to compare ourselves or anyone, any human being, with the Lord, we'd have to say, "They're not good." There's none. There's none righteous. No, not one. None of us are worthy of God's love. Not one. We were all dead in trespasses and sins. We all walked according to the course of this world, and we're all under the wrath of God, and deservingly so. Now, you might think, well, I'm not as bad as somebody else was. That's because you had some training in your life. I mean, if you were just left to yourself, you'd be just like an animal. I mean, I, was talk- I said this to the... Uh, anthropology class I remember when Dr. Forney was here teaching uh, anthropology he said there's no such thing as a primitive culture you know we talk about like third world cultures and how primitive they are they need to be educated and all this and that he said it's not a primitive culture it's a degenerative culture it's the fruit of without the knowledge of God They're so far removed from God. That's why they're, quote, primitive. It's really a degeneration. It's a lack of the knowledge of God. You give them the gospel. I remember reading this one time, too, that um, Charles Darwin went to South America to visit a native tribe. And he said, in his writing, he said it would take thousands of years because they were so primitive It would take thousands of years for them to come up to modern standards and to not be considered primitive. Well, the missionary went there. And within 10 or 15 years, they were civilized. They had a language. They had churches. They had schools. And he couldn't believe it. What happened? They got the gospel. They got the truth. they were set free from the bondage of sin. See, sin causes degeneration. That's where our our world is heading. You know. Um, You see, we need to be thankful that our God is good. He is the benefactor of men. Wisdom and understanding comes from Him. When men turn away from God, they go to darkness. You know... We sometimes say, how are these leftists, how do they say such dumb things? You know how? Because they can't, they've got a reprobate mind and they can't grasp truth. They can't even think right. And that's the fruit of turning away from the goodness of God. And God again God is not only good to his children but God is good to his enemies. Matthew 5:43 to 48 talks about that. He's good sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. So we ought to be thankful that our God is good. That there and that there is no end or limit to his mercy. If you notice in verse 5, the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting. It is infinite in scope and everlasting in duration. Of course, mercy is in kindness not giving us what we deserve. That's the definition of mercy. God really not giving us what we deserve. And his mercy is infinite in scope and its everlasting in duration. In other words, his mercy will ex- extends to the worst sinner, the lowest of sinners. There's no such thing as too great a sinner to be saved. I had a tell me that one time. He said, "I'm just too big a sinner." And he was a big sinner. He was literally a big sinner. And he was. He had known some of the depths of sin. But I took him to First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. Such were some of you. But now you're washed. now you're justified. Now you're sanctified by the Lord Jesus. There's no such thing. God's mercy is infinite in its scope, and it's everlasting in its duration. 2 Chronicles 7, 3 says, When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with the faces of the ground upon a pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. You know, God is a merciful God. I have known people, and you've probably known people, that have given or have, uh, or I shouldn't say it have been given, but really they've been given notice that they're going to die. They have a terminal illness. They know they're going to die, and yet they don't repent. You know, the fact that they have been given a notice, to me, that's the mercy of God. Of course, the reality is we all know we're going to die sometime. But it's an opportunity to repent. But no, they continue in the rebellion and rejection of the mercy of God. You know, God could just all consume us in a moment, send us to hell, and be justified in doing it. Thirdly, we're thankful that he is immutable. Notice verse 5. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. His truth, his word, endures to all generations. It will not change. John seventeen seventeen says, Thy word is truth. You know, he, that is God, or his word, does not change. God's laws, God's standards of holiness, his specta- expectations, what pleases him, does not change. With circumstances, with class in society, with race, Or uh, for feelings or for favor. God's, God's word does not change. It's the same for everyone. And you know, there is security and confidence in that. Knowing that God is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Makes it easy to obey him do you ever do you ever try to work with somebody who constantly changes the program you know we're working in a house so we, you know, if we're working in a house and we decide one paint color and then we decide well we don't like that paint color so we'll paint it another one and then they get that one on and we'll decide well I don't like that neither Put so paint you know, you're constantly changing—that—that that gets frustrating. Religion's a lot like that. I remember Bill Barron saying one time they were—he was in uh, uh, Rossville, Kansas, and in Rossville, Kansas—I think it's Rossville—there's a large Catholic seminary, uh, and it's a—it would be what you call fundamentalist Catholic seminary. It's a very it's, it's not your modern, liberal, Catholic group of people. I mean, they dress almost like Mennonites, conservative Mennonites. Women all wear dresses, sort of like, sort of like very strict Mormons, you know. Uh, but women all wear dresses, long dresses. They dress very conservatively. And, and of course, they, everything's Latin. You know, they have to go with the all Latin. And they're, they're very rigid, I guess, in a lot of ways. They consider the pope a liberal and an Antichrist. They're a branch off the main Catholic church. But anyway, this was a seminary there. And it was a s- seminary student come in who was studying to be a priest. Of course, Bill Behrens was raised Catholic. So he, began, he went over and he offered him a tract. First he didn't want to take it. And he said something to the effect that he said, you know why I like my God over yours? And the guy said, no, Why? He said, well, if you were to come in here and there were no prices on the menu, how would you know what to order? He said, well, that would be very difficult. He said, doesn't your system of belief change? Hasn't it changed over the years? And for certain circumstances, things can change. And he said, well, yeah. He said, mine doesn't. My God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's the same for everyone. It's not hard. And he really got that guy to thinking. See, God doesn't change. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. The rules are the same. Repent. Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You know, he is the truth. Deuteronomy 32.4 says, He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, Just and right is he. Psalm, 20, or Psalm 12, 6 and 7, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. They are not going to change. And 1 John, or 1 John 4, 6 says, We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that not of God heareth not us. Hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And Jesus said John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth does not change. Hebrews 13.8 says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. That Jesus Christ we saw in the book of Joshua. In the book of Joshua is the same Jesus Christ that we put your faith and trust in. And it's the same Jesus Christ that's coming again for us. And I don't know about you, but to me, it's, it is a wonderful thing that we have a God that does not change. As I learn something else about him, I know that what I have learned about him is going to remain the same. Psalm 92, 1 says this, It is good to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. Psalm 147, verse 1, Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant and praise is comely. Oh, we need to have an attitude of gratitude. It is a beatitude of great magnitude. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And be thankful unto him. And bless his name. We ought to be a thankful people. We serve a great and glorious God. Let's pray.